the status quo of anxiety and depression and emotional lethargy is just normal and knowing that it's not and doesn't have to be. And once you peek behind that curtain and you see what's there, you just want to open the curtain for everybody and say, no, come look at this thing over here. It doesn't have to be like that. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. And thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders in our community. Learning about joy is one thing, but it's the doing that actually shifts your energy. Joy is not elusive fantasy to be chased. It's simply a skill to be learned, practiced, and mastered. In her new book, Find Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness, Lisa McCourt is the host of Do Joy Podcast, founder of Joy School, and she offers a unique approach to joy and emotional wellness. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Lori. So good to be here with you. Well, we have had a challenge trying to talk about joy, but I am so excited to finally be talking with you. What brought you to write a book about joy and happiness? Since you brought up that we've had challenges, I have to tell you the funny story because we've had a few starts and stops and you were just explaining, but my technology always works. I'm always prompt. Yeah. I'm sure that's true because it's me, because the universe plays with me, because this whole book is about the external stuff that happens in life, not not hurting our joy, not being able to touch that spot of joy. Being someone who has been talking about this nonstop during this whole launch period, the universe is like, okay, let's try this, try this, try this. So I wanted to come to your defense and say, of course, this isn't you. This is me. This is the universe playing with me because this is what it's about. It's about rolling with it. Whatever comes up, none of it has to touch our joy. So I wasn't always a joyful person, didn't have the optimal conditions for becoming a joyful person as a young person, as is the case for very, 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 very many of us. I was blessed to learn some things early in life that really just turned everything around for me. Spiritual principles, personal development principles was so blown away by that nothing felt meaningful to do with my life after that. And that's when I started writing about these principles, teaching them, doing the podcast. It just really became a calling after it was so apparent what they could do. It's like when you're looking at everybody walking around thinking that the status quo of anxiety and depression and emotional lethargy is just normal and knowing that it's not and doesn't have to be. And once you peeked behind that curtain and you see what's there, you just want to open the curtain for everybody and say, no, come look at this thing over here. It doesn't have to be like that. I love it that you weren't always joyful, but then you found it and you came to a place where then you could help other people find it. So in your 12 keys, is it like 12 months, one per month? I did lay it out that way. I did because what I think was one of my most profound understandings in my journey was I spent a long time, more years than I will tell you, collecting wisdom. I was such a glutton for the next book, the next workshop, the next training, the next certification. I wanted to have all the wisdom because I was addicted to those aha moments and those light bulbs. And it just really hit me big one year all I was doing was collecting knowledge. I wasn't applying it to my life. I would in sort of surfacey ways, but the book is laid out over the course of a year because the invitation is 
here's one thing to focus on this week. Now go weave it into your life with this practice and this practice. And let me show you how to incorporate into what you got going on. Then we're going to talk about the next thing. I just really, really, really wanted to deliver something that works. And of course, if I could have written a book promising a dramatically elevated joy set point in one month, I would have done that, but I didn't think that that would be as effective. So I wrote what I know would be effective for those DIY joy seekers. You just are on a, I'm going to do it myself mission. The book gives you everything you need to do that. Your 12 keys come from your joy school trainings. I'm really curious about joy school. I call it my love incubator. We meet in small groups four times a month to apply the principles. It's not exactly the principles that are in the book, because as I said, those are more for do-it-yourselfers. These are, are we can go a lot deeper when we have the, the group and the container. But it's a very, very, very loving, accepting space for anybody who just recognizes that there should be more joy and love in the world and just is ready to do some, some simple, committed steps to bringing that about for themselves and those around them. I've been doing Joy School for 20 years. It hasn't always been called Joy School. It had different names. It used to be more in-person. And now it's ever since COVID, it's just stayed almost entirely online. I have some in-person events. But for the most part, that it's a, a four meetings a month kind of like a 12-step program, but for joy seekers. <laughs> so if somebody was interested in that, do they just go to your webpage? Yeah, it's my name, Lisa McCourt, L-I-S-A-M-C-C-O-U-R-T.com. It's got all about joy school, my other random upcoming events. There's one free event per month, Joy School Spotlight, where I bring in guest teachers. Now you talk about joy set points. This is really sad, but true. We all have just a baseline amount of joy and happiness that we are going to always default to. And we learn it very, very, very young. We learn it when we're very impressionable in our young impressionable years. We learn it from our caregivers, sometimes from our culture, society, sometimes religion plays an influence. But there is a level of joy and happiness that we believe on an unconscious level that is ours is where we should be. And we're all going to have days where it feels like it bumps up and days when it feels like it tanks down. But we're going to just keep coming back to that same default setting until we become the observer of it and take control of the things that contribute to it so that we can recalibrate that set point. And then we're still going to have good and bad days. But the, the bad days start feeling a lot like what the good days used to feel like. And the good days feel just off the chart good. It's like the thermometer. You're raising the thermometer. Exactly. And it's always going to want to go back to whatever it's set to. And I love it that we can have control over that. What are some strategies you have for navigating situations that interfere with the people being able to experience joy? This minutia of our lives. We all have these things happening and we've been so conditioned to feel like we have all these external factors that need to be in place before we can have joy inside ourselves. We have the checklist, whatever you've learned the checklist is, whether it's I have to have the right relationship or I have to have the right kind of roof over my head. I have to have the right kind of job that pays the bills, whatever we've been taught or sold as the, the bill of goods that equals happiness, we keep seeking out there for it. And it's a completely backward equation because we're creating our whole life, every speck of it with the energy that we're sending out. We're vibrational beings in a vibrational universe. All the smart science people say this now. Einstein said it. Lots of smart people since him have said it. I don't get into the sciencey part unless I've got really good notes in front of me. But this is just how we create our lives, right? We are vibrational creatures creating our lives. So we have to turn that equation around and understand that the external pieces 
are only a reflection of what we call our internal landscape and joy school. So if we pay more attention to the internal landscape, figuring out how to get that peace and bliss and joy going on inside, we're send out a different vibration, all the external pieces fall into place anyway. So I always say we travel two parallel paths in joy school. We travel the path of manifestation because we are here to have a cool earthly existence and we can deck that out with some cool situations and stuff, but we're, it's all a game that we're playing. We're just kind of pushing the pieces around the game board when we're focusing on the external. The much more important path is getting that internal landscape lined up because that's what's going to make all that manifestation go really easy and smoothly. So when you talk about the getting the internal things lined up, and then I see you have 12 points, is there like one that comes before another? The book is written in a, a way that builds upon the prior steps just because of the language that I use and the, the understandings, just a pretty good sequential order. But when people are in joy school and they're reading the book, we're all at different different steps. And that's fine because it's all information that we can all apply to our lives really at any point. It's just, if you aren't having the benefit of being in joy school with us and you're just reading the book, then yeah, I wouldn't jump around. I would definitely go in the order of the steps the way they're laid out. So we're talking with Lisa McCourt and her book is Free Your Joy. And one thing that I hear a lot is Sometimes when I'll say something about happiness, people say, oh, no, you don't want happiness. You want joy. Can you talk about the difference between joy and happiness? Yeah, it's funny. It's like one is better than the other. They, they really aren't. They're, they're both wonderful emotions to aspire to. To me, it's that happiness is not a human emotion that we would expect to be embodying fully at all times, right? It wouldn't even feel like an exciting human life if we had the exact same level of happiness at all times, right? That would mean no challenges, no problems. We think that we don't want our challenges and problems. There's something in our humanness that really does like them, right? We set up challenges and problems for ourselves because we we like that, that sort of uh, not being happy, happy in every moment. So happiness is a perfectly beautiful, natural uh, emotion that comes along when it's meant to and enriches our lives. Joy, I maintain, can be always present. No matter what natural human emotion is surfacing, we can have joy in our grief, we can have joy in frustration, we can have joy in anger, because our problem with those emotions is that we don't like them, so we, we suppress them, we deny them, we judge them in ourselves, and when we let go of all that, and we just recognize every emotion as a perfectly beautiful expression of our humanness, and we allow it to flow through us as it's meant to flow through, there can be a depth and poignancy and grief or sadness that feels really joyful when you just allow it to be there. There can be healthy boundary setting and power in, in anger when it's appropriate anger and we're allowing it to just flow through us. So it's really our judgment of our emotions that gets in the way. And joy, the way we define it in joy school, is just feeling so completely free to be all of our humanness and have compassion for ourselves right there, wherever we are. If it's all right with you, I'd like to touch on a couple of the keys. Sure. It sounds like this is the one you were kind of talking about, but awaken the observer. Yeah, that's so important because we all have that ticker tape of thoughts running across our minds at all times. Our thoughts never stop. The scientists say we have 70,000, 80,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are the same ones we had yesterday and last week and the month before. And the scientists tell us that for most people, most of them are negative thoughts. And there are like really good reasons for that, right? We still are taking all our cues from our primitive brain programming because 
in, in the grand scheme of things, our civilized human selves have been around for like a tiny nanosecond in the, the grand scheme of living living beings. We've got all these biases. We've got a, an, a negativity bias that's left over from when our survival was threatened moment by moment on a, a daily basis. We've got conformity bias that makes us want to conform to the whatever the people around us are thinking and feeling. All of that programs us to really focus way too much on our left brain thinking, on our mind, because our, our mind is a problem-solving mechanism. Our left brain is all about solving problems. Those of us blessed to live in this society today, especially our advanced Western societies, we don't have threats to our survival for the most part. We have all of our basic needs met. So our brain invents problems for us to solve because that's what the brain does. So we make problems where there aren't any problems and we assign things as problems. And all of this is just constantly going by in that ticker tape. So becoming the observer is getting that distance between us and our thoughts because we human beings tend to align with our thoughts and identify with our thoughts. And our thoughts are just rooted in programs that we absorbed really early on, just like you know we were talking about earlier. We, we come here just looking for explanations for everything because there's so much infinite knowledge and our brains can only assimilate a small bit of it. So we make up all these definitions and rules about how it is here that we absorb from our caregivers. And then that becomes the framework that all of these thoughts are filtered through. So when we get clear about that whole process, how it works, we can look at our thoughts with detachment and that's what allows us to challenge them and start opening up the keyhole of perception because we're all just seeing reality through a keyhole to find evidence for better feeling thoughts. Finding a way to separate enough to look at your thoughts. What are they? What are they saying? Know thyself. Yeah. In joy school, I use terminology that I learned from Eckhart Tolle many, many, many years ago. He doesn't use these uh, terms very much anymore, but it's that we all have a horizontal self and a vertical self. And the horizontal self is the persona that we create here. It's our name, our gender, our roles and our jobs, our family placement, our affiliations and the things that we, we say we believe. All of that belongs to our horizontal self. We've all been conditioned to put all of our attention on the horizontal self, put all of our care and focus and our ambitions into this horizontal self. But we have a vertical self that most of us have been taught to ignore because it's just not valued at this time in our, our culture. And that's our divinity. It's our connection to source. People call it spirit, soul. I like to say if those words are cringy for whatever reason, there's other terminology. That's why I, I like to say vertical self and horizontal self. It's kind of new, new words to people. And there's a, a correlation between those two. So knowing thyself is a lot of that chapter is about getting clear on these two parts of us and how we're so used to the horizontal self being in the driver's seat. And if we can just do a little bit of subtle repositioning, we're never going to shut down the horizontal self. We wouldn't even want to. It's just about a balance that most of us find when we start paying attention to and activating and learning how to align with that vertical self so that there can be a, a little bit of a repositioning there. It opens up a whole lot of joy just naturally because we are joy at our core. I know that there's a book called Wired for Joy. And I've heard people say, you know, that we literally were created for joy. And that's when I saw your book. I, I really wanted to talk with you because I do see a lot of sadness. And the fact that what you're saying is we can free our joy. Understanding joy's obstacles. I love that because you had mentioned about 
being happy and having no obstacles isn't really attainable. So can you talk about joy's obstacles? It sounds like that chapter is about those different things go wrong in the external world. What the chapter is actually about is those beliefs that I was just talking about, that we all come here with just being pure joy and love. And we expect that to, to be what we experience. And parents, bless their souls, I believe most parents are doing the best they can and are well-meaning in their intentions with their child. But a lot of the beliefs that we form in that really impressionable time is what creates that filter. We call it a, a filter of beliefs in Joy School. And Joe Dispenza, one of the teachers that I, I reference a lot, his work in Joy School, he says that there are 400 billion bits of information swirling around us at all times. And our little human brains have only evolved to make sense of and fully assimilate about 50 bits of information at a time. So how will our consciousness determine which bits out of the 400 billion to pull through and basically register as our reality, as our experience of the world? It's always going to be the ones that match those limiting beliefs that we made up when we were very, very young, because that becomes the framework that we go out and experience life through. So those are really joy's obstacles or these beliefs that just are creating and attracting all of our circumstances. Circumstances. So becoming the observer helps us to get clear on what some of those beliefs are. And once we can see that they really were based in nothing true or real, because trauma is not necessarily big T trauma. Trauma is our experience of different things. It's, it's more about the internal experience of the child in that moment. We don't have logic when we're when we're forming these these wounds, these inner wounds. Once we can get the emotional maturity of adulthood and look back at them and start seeing like, oh, I've been living my life around that belief that was never based on anything true or real anyway. I really am safe or I really am worthy and, and not, you know, an idiot because of that one thing that happened in second grade. Those are joy's obstacles. Once you recognize those obstacles, how do you go about sifting through or changing them even? It starts as an intellectual process, which... You know, most of the the really good juicy work that we do in Joy School, we try to bypass the intellect and go, you know, straight with the the energy, the consciousness. But in this case, I think first it's about going through the exercises to see and and noticing that I've been living and creating based in this whatever bucket belief, we call them bucket beliefs, I formed when I was very young. It becomes a practice of challenging it because none of this comes easily because we've been habituated for so, so, so long in the way that we do life and the way that we create life. But once we can really see it intellectually, then with repetition of challenging the beliefs, it starts to be a, a felt, we, we say kerklunk in joy school. That's my fancy word for when one of those concepts that we've heard a bunch of times just goes kerklunk and it's in our heart space and it changes our default setting and our reactivity. And I think what gives me hope is that if we are in a state where we think we want more joy in our life, we can take some control over it. And your book gives us keys and exercises to be able to work on that daily, weekly, whatever we think we need. I think the book does a good job of making it logical. And really people can see when they, they read the book, oh, this is completely doable. I should be able to go do this. 
I will say it's not always that easy to do it on your own, just because we are such habituated creatures and habits are not notoriously known for being super easy to break, but they can be broken. And that that's why I, you know, the, the Joy School is such a good place for community. And, and so often hearing how somebody else has applied it to their life or some result that they had is what makes for the kerklunk in the other person in the small group, because once we see that, oh, other people are doing it and getting these kinds of results, it just makes it all the more doable. Yeah, we really learn from each other's stories, don't we? Yes. The last one I want to touch on, um, there's a quote that I love by Alex L. And it says, self-healing is an act of community service. And this is feel to heal. You want to talk about that? I love that quote because so many people think that, you know, oh, I don't have time to, to mess with my joy. I don't have the, you know, how can people be concerned about their joy when there's so much suffering in the world, when there's so much to address, when there's so much... And so many of our spiritual masters, all of our great spiritual masters have basically had that message that if you want to heal the world, you have to start with yourself. Our elevating our own vibration affects our inner circle tremendously. And then it goes out just in ripples from there, affects everybody in their inner circle. It affects the guy who walks onto the elevator that you're on and the kid making your deli sandwich. Everybody around us will have a better life when we take care of our joy. And so I, I love that quote about it being a, a community service. I always say that the steps in the book are, you know, mostly feel good steps that are going to make you just see the joy start coming into your life right away. Feel to Heal is the one chapter that it's not an entirely joyful chapter, but it's so necessary because anytime something is triggering us in the out there and we all have buttons, we all have things that we know, you know, trigger us. It's because at some prior point in our young impressionable lives, there was a, a feeling that was too big for us to process, too, too big for our little emotional bandwidth to, to handle. And those feelings, all of our feelings actually release chemicals into our system. And they've shown now, Bruce Lipton talks about this, Candace Pert, uh, Greg Braden, they've shown that when we have, we're, I'm going to call it a traumatic event, but it's not just the way everybody thinks of trauma. It could be a lot of things. But when we have these big feelings that we're not emotionally equipped to process, they do get stored within us. And so feel to heal is the, the chapter where we start to allow those feelings instead of suppressing them and denying them, because that's the only reason we get triggered by things out there in, in the outside world is because we have some unhealed frequencies in there. And we have to be able to first and foremost, offer our self-compassion around those feelings, whatever they are. So that's what those practices are about, healing those frequencies so that the triggers don't really bother us anymore. I love what it says in your intro. Learning about joy is one thing, but it's the doing that actually shifts your energy. Joy is not an elusive fantasy to be chased, which sometimes it feels like. It's simply a skill to be learned, practiced, and mastered. Do you want to say a little more about that? I love that. It's just true. And that's the thing. I, I think it's sad to me because I think most people walking the planet, given the option, would say, yes, I would like to feel more joy wherever we are with it. I would like to feel more joy. But that doesn't mean that the most people are, are running to joy school. And it's because 
we don't have a belief that it's within our control. We so are conditioned to this Maya, this crazy notion that we're at the mercy of the things happening around us. And we're really not. Our joy has very little to do with our external circumstances and the things happening around us. It takes a little bit of commitment. It takes a little bit of practice, but anybody can do it because we all have a soul. There's nobody walking around out there without one. And our soul is joy and bliss and peace. And we've just got it all wrapped up and shut down in there. And it just needs to be liberated. I love the idea of making joy a habit. Yeah, that that really is what it is. So this is just like a bunch of ways to make joy a habit. And I love what Sark says. I am a big, big fan of Sark. I probably have every one of her books, Soul Nourishing Guidance for Flooding Your Precious Life with Joy. She wrote you a reference that is amazing. Yeah, she's really fun. We were both at a conference recently and she came out in her robe and her jammies to do her, her talk because that's kind of her, her jam. It's just like, let's all be comfy together. Let's break out the crayons. Let's have a, a coloring party. She's liberated so many want to be joyfuls out there <laughs> with that example that she sets. I love what you say about want to be joyfuls. Can you say more about that? Because I mean, when you said that, there was almost like this happy sadness that ran through me. It was like, yes, no, oh. Oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> A happy sadness. See, we can be both. We can we can have happiness and sadness and they can be right there next to each other. It's that we don't dare hope that we can have joy because we don't want to be disappointed. So we we just say we don't need it. I'm plenty joyful. I got this going on over here and this going on over here. And I'm too busy with work to be joyful anyway. And I got kids, so I don't have time to go be joyful. It's like we have all these excuses because we're afraid to dare that that joyful possibility. When I think about this, like when you came on and we were trying to make this happen and you were singing some cute little songs, and <laughs> I thought we are attracted to joy. Trying to think how to say his name. I always get the pronunciation wrong, but G-O-E-T-H-E said, if every one of us swept our own doorstep, the whole world would be clean. And I feel like that's a metaphor for if we all took care of our personal energy space, if we all stopped overextending or trying to, you know, get all these external kudos that don't make us happy anyway, we all just took care of our joy and, and let that spread out to everybody around us. It's that's all that we're really needing. What is it that you really want people to walk away from this with? I want people to know that it's doable and it's possible. Life loves us. The universe loves us. Our soul loves us. Any messaging that you hear going on in that ticker tape in your brain about any version of you sucking in any way, your soul doesn't think you suck. Your soul loves you and your soul really doesn't think anybody sucks or any situation sucks. So find that place. I mean, if there was a shortcut and I know it's not a shortcut situation, but if there was a shortcut, it would just be find that place that recognizes that joy that's inside you and, and has so much love and compassion for you. The place that we have to start because that's what's really the, the base of everything else. If you want to work on changing one thing in your life, that'll have a domino effect in every single area of your life, work on your self-love. It's such a cliche term. I almost hate to use it because people think they understand it, but it's not about bubble baths and buying the shoes. It's about what you say to yourself in your mind day in and day out. Watch those thoughts, question those thoughts and show yourself that love. Her name is Lisa McCourt. Her book is called Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable 
happiness. Lisa, thank you so much. If someone wants to get your book, they can, where can they get it? Everywhere books are sold, as they say. There's a page at my website, lisamccourt.com, that has all the links. There's also a resource guide at the site that goes along with the book. Okay, and then also a link to Joy School if somebody wants to go there. lisamccourt.com is Joy School, and there's a, a page there about the book. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.